Hare Krishna. Good morning to everyone. Good morning to everyone who is here in the temple complex and all of those who are listening in from the outside. We welcome you to the Srimad Bhagavatam Discourse in Radhakalachanjidam, Dallas, Texas, USA. My name is Rupa Nugadas, and I will be your speaker this morning. Thank you all very much for joining me. This morning we're going to enter the seventh chapter of the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. So we'll be reading and reciting from text number one. A brand new chapter. I also welcome those of you who are listening in several hours or maybe a day or two after this class has been given um, at the uh, archived section of the, of the Hare Krishna temple here in Dallas. Get to it by, I think it's radhakalachanji.com. And there's a menu. And if you scroll down in the menu to media, click on media, you can also get the archived version of whatever classes have been given here in the temple room for the past several weeks. So sometimes I'll listen to those in the evening uh, about the time that I'm getting ready to take rest. Even though I've listened to them before, I listen to them again. It's always nice to hear uh, some of the devotees here in the community speaking on the Srimad Bhagavatam. Yesterday's class was given by um, Her Grace um, who gave class yesterday. Jai Shri Rathe. Jai Shri She's disciple of Tamal Krishna Goswami Maharaj, as am I. And, of course, we're all grand, most of us, many of us here are, are grand disciples of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. So before we begin our discourse this morning, we're going to have a little bit of, of chanting this is our invocation to the Supreme Lord to please come and be with us and give us give us words to say that will be helpful. Jayaradhamadava Kunjabihari Jayaradhamadava Kunjabihari Hari Jaya Gopi Janavalabha Girivaradhari Jaya 
ಜಾಶೋರನಂದನ್ನ ಬ್ರಜಜಾನರಂಜನ ಜಾಶುರನಂದನ್ನ ಬ್ರಜಜನರಂಜನ ಜಾಶೋರನಂದನ್ನ ಬ್ರಜಜನರಂಜನ ಜಶೋರನಂದನ್ನ ಬ್ರಜಜನರಂಜನ ಜಮುನಚಿರಾವನಚಾರೆ ಜಮುನಚಿರಾವನಚಾರೆ All glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Gauranga. Namo Vishnabhadaya Krishnabhastaya Bhutale Shumati Bhakti Vedanta Swamaniti Namane Namaste Sarasvati Deva Gaudavari Pichanine Divisheshya Sunyavari Prasyati Desha Tarine Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaivanarottamam Devim Sarasvatim Yasun Tato Jayamudirayat Nastapreshwa Badreshu Nidyam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavati Uttama Shloke Bhakti Bhavati Naistiki Gantara Simad Bhagavatam Ki Jai Srila Vyasadev Ki Jai So if you have your um, if you have your um, smartphone with you you can uh, go to vedabase.io and uh, you can also find there many of the publications bashil prabhupad one of which is the shrimad bhagavatam so we're in the first canto of the shrimad bhagavatam just beginning chapter 7 text number 1 so let us recite the transliterations 
Shonaka Uvacha Nirgate Narade Sutta Bhagavan Bararayana Shutavams Tad Abhipretam Tata Kim Akarod Vibhu And now it's poetry. Janaka Uvacha Nirgate Narade Sutta Bhagavan Bararayana Shutavams Tadabhi Pritam Tata Kim Akarod Vibhu Shonaka Uvacha Nirgate Narade Sutta Bhagavan Bararayana Shuttavam stada bipritam Tatakim akarod vibhu Can't please Shanaka uvacha Niradin Bhagavan Word-for-word translation. Shonaka, Sri Shonaka, Uvacha, said, Nirgate, having gone, Narade, Narada Muni, Sutta, O Sutta, Bhagavan, the transcendentally powerful, Bhararayana, Vedavyas, Sutavan, who heard, tat, his, apibretam, desire of the mind, tata, thereafter, kim, what, akarot, did he do, vibhu, the great. So we're just ending a chapter. That was entitled, Conversation Between Narda and Vyasadeva. 
And this person, Shonaka, um, Shonaka Rishi, Sri Shonaka, is the spokesperson for the sages who have gathered together at Naimisharanya Forest in order to hear uh, about the Srimad Bhagavatam, to hear the Bhagavatam. And this is the beginning of a, of a, a very long uh, period of austerity, very long uh, 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 time that they're going to be sitting and listening to the Bhagavatam to help to uh, alleviate or ward off some of the influences of the of the age of, of Kali, which has just has just begun. So uh, the person who is who is going to speak to this group of sages is named Sutta Goswami. He's the son of Ramaharshan Sutta, who was the one who had been elected by the group to speak to them on the Srimad Bhagavatam. But unfortunately, by his lack of etiquette, uh, he did not stand and offer respects to Lord Balaram when Lord Balaram appeared. So Lord Balaram took a blade of grass and touched him, and it ended his life. Ramaharshan. So Ram, uh, Ramaharshan Sutta, the son of Ramaharshan, uh, whose name is, he goes by just Sutta Goswami, uh, is, is the person who was appointed by Lord Balaram to continue the speaking, or actually to begin the speaking of the Bhagavatam to this group of, of sages gathered together at Naimishranya. And so, uh, Sri Shonaka has, has, is saying here, as uh, a matter of fact, let me read the translation. Sri Shonaka asked, O Sutta, the great and transcendentally powerful Vyasadeva, heard everything from Sri Narada Muni. So after Narada's departure, what did Vyasadeva do? So repeat with me, if you will. Rishi Shonaka asked, O Sutta, the great and transcendentally powerful Vyasadeva heard everything from Sri Narada Muni. So after Narada's departure, what did Vyasadeva do? Okay, so that's the beginning of this chapter, chapter number 7 of the Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1. I'm going to read the purport now by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. In this chapter, the clue for describing Srimad Bhagavatam is picked up as Maharaj Parikshit is miraculously saved in the womb of his mother. This was caused by Droni, or Ashwatthama, Acharya Drona's son, who killed the five sons of Draupadi while they were asleep, for which he was punished by Arjuna. Before commencing the great epic Srimad Bhagavatam, Sri Vyasadeva realized the whole truth by trance in devotion. That's the end of the purport. Om Ajnana Timirandasya Gyananjana Salakaya Chakchul Militam Jena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namah Sri Chaitanya Marovishtam Stavitam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamaya Dharati Swavarantikam 
Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Dutta Parakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagudattam Sahagana Raghunatan Vitam Tam Sajivam Savadvaitam Savaduttam Padijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakan Vitamscha he Krishna Karana Sundo Dina Bando Jagatpade Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Taptakan Chanagurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Panamami Hari Priye Vanchakalpa Tarubhyascha Kripa Sundu Vyevacha Patitanam Bhavanebhyo Vaishnavibhyo Namo Jaya Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhara Shiva Sarigora Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Santaraj Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Nama Om Vishnu Vadaya Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale Srimate Tamal Krishna Goswaminiti Namane. So in the purport here, Srila Prabhupada mentions Ashwatthama and the heinous act that he committed against the Pandavas. Um, Ashwatthama was the son of Drona Maharaj. Drona Maharaj was elected or was appointed by Sri uh, Bhishma Dev, who was the grandfather of the Pandavas and the Kauravas. And he was the one who was uh, actually uh, conducting many of the fairs at the, of the kingdom, uh, which was headed up in, in Hastinapura by uh, Dhritarashtra Maharaj, who was the blind son of Vyasadeva. There were three sons of Vyasadeva. Um, Pandu was the first, uh, Dhritarashtra was the second, and Vidura was the third. And of those three brothers, uh, only uh, Pandu was uh, was capable of being the emperor of the world. Uh, But uh, he chose not to stay in the kingdom, but rather to turn it over to his younger brother, Dhritarashtra, who was blind. And who was, by the fact that he was blind, he was not really qualified to become the emperor of the world. That was really Pandu's position. And then there was Vidura, who was, who was actually born, even though he was the son of Yasudeva, he was born of a maidservant, um, because of some unusual circumstances that took place at that time. So Vidura, even though he's a great devotee of the Lord, and he's very philosophically perfect, um, uh, he was not qualified then, according to the standards of that society, to become the emperor. As a matter of fact, it is known that uh, Vidura was an incarnation of of um, who is the Lord of Death? Yamaraj. Yamaraj. Uh, he's an incarnation because Yamaraj was cursed uh, to take birth as a in, in a lowly 
family or a lowly uh, to a lowly person in, in the material world. In other words, he was cursed to take birth as a a person who was very low in, stat- in stature, even though he was a son of Shilavyaste. So, uh, getting back to the point now, and that is that the person who was actually kind of running the show and helping to raise the 100 sons of Dhritarashtra and the five sons of Pandu uh, was um, Bhishmadev, Grandfather Bhishmadev, who was a very powerful personality himself. But he had he chose Dronacharya to come in and to be the martial mentor for the Pandava boys and the Kaurava boys. And not only them, but also the son of a king uh, who was known as Drupad. And Drupad and Drona were like cousin brothers when they were younger and in school. And uh, they made a pledge to each other that if any either of them became wealthy, and then he would share what he had with the other. Well, as Drupad grew up, he he's the one who actually became a king. And and so when Drona, who did not have much, he was a poor Brahmin, uh, but he he um, he came after he, he had gotten up in, into age somewhat, and the two of them had been separated for some time. He came to Drupad and asked him, "All right, now do you remember our pact that we made when we were younger that you would give me half the kingdom?" And and Drupad refused to uh, to honor what he had told Drona. So Jonah went away very dejected and angry. And, but nonetheless, Jonah was uh, brought into the kingdom there at Hastinapur uh, uh, under the, at the request of Bhishmadev. And he began training all the boys in the, Pandu, in the Pandava family and the Kaurava family uh, to become warriors. He gave them all the martial skills that he had acquired. And when they got done with their training, then he asked his boys uh, that he'd been training all these years to, it says, it's now time for you to uh, give Guru Dakshin. And so they wanted to know what it was that Drona wanted from them. And he said, I want you to go and conquer Drupad in his kingdom. And so they, they went and the sons of Dhritarashtra were the first to make an effort, but they were kind of driven back. So then the sons of Pandu went in, uh, uh, headed by Yudhisthira, the eldest, and then the art, famous archer Arjuna. They went in and they actually captured and, and subdued Drupad. And Drona uh, was there at that time, and he said, All right, now I've defeated you. Now, I tell you, now that I have defeated you, I have actually won your entire kingdom. But, uh, because we were childhood friends, I'm going to take only half your kingdom and give you the other half. So, Drupad was, was very, very much embarrassed. And he was, he was so dejected that, uh, he, he got his Brahmins to uh, create a sacrifice that would give him a son that would kill 
Dronacharya. So uh, they, they performed the sacrifice, and from the sacrificial fire came out a young man who was roaring, and uh, he, he was amazing. He performed all kinds of skills at the time that he came out of the fire, and this was, this was Dristadumna. Dristadumna. He was born to kill Dronacharya. And, and he, uh, out of the fire also came a beautiful girl, very beautiful girl, and her name was Dropadi. And so the two of them were like twins coming out of the sacrificial fire. Anyhow, this boy, Dristadumna, uh, Drupad asked his old, uh, 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 detractor, I guess you'd say, Drona Charger, to train him in the martial arts. Drona agreed to train him, even though Drona knew that the reason that Dristadumna had been produced from the sacrificial fire was to kill him, Drona. So, nonetheless, uh, people at that time were so dutiful that when they were asked to do something, even if it meant their ultimate demise in the future, uh, then they would take on the chore. So now, this brings us up to the time that the the battle of Kurukshetra is about to begin. The Pandavas, the Pandavas, the sons of Pandu, have been denied any bit of the kingdom that was supposed to be ruled over by Yudhisthira, the eldest of the Pandavas. And instead, the eldest of Dhritarashtra's sons, who was Duryodhana, he said, I will not give them so much land as you can drive a pen into. And so that, that brought on the great battle that was to ensue. Uh, for 18 days in which 640 million men lost their lives. Of course, Krishna was aware of all of this and he was the one actually planning all of this to happen. Because Krishna was about ready to leave this planet and go back to his spiritual kingdom. But he had brought with him when he came many millions of spirit souls who took their births on the earth. And so in order to get them back to the spiritual world with him, he had to make some arrangement by which they would leave. So this battle of Kurukshetra was actually, uh, uh, it was planned and it was executed by the Supreme Lord himself. And all of these young men in, uh, who were engaged in battle and the older men as well, then uh, all of them lost their lives, practically all of them, except for the five Pandavas who were left. Even even the grandfather Bhishmadev was killed. But in that battle, also Dronacharya uh, gave up his life, and he, he he did so by the the Pandavas realized there's no way that we're going to be able to kill these two unless they give us permission. That is Bhishmadev and Dronacharya. And so when it came time for them to uh, to take the life of Dronacharya which they had to do in order to win the battle. Uh, they went to him and said, uh, Our dear worshipable master, uh, it is impossible for us, to, for us to defeat you. How can we defeat you? We have to do so. How can we defeat you? And Dronacharya told them at that time that when my son Ashwatthama meets his death, then I will put aside my weapons 
and at that time you may take my life. So uh, Ashwatthama then was, a, he was a powerful fighter. This is the son of, Dr- son of Drona, and he was very powerful. Uh, but he was not, he didn't have the same spiritual scruples that his father had. So he was fighting, and so during the battle, Krishna told Yudhisthira Maharaj, he says, you're going to have to make an announcement that Ashwatthama has been killed. Otherwise, you will not be able to defeat Dronacharya. And so just uh, uh, Yudhisthira was wondering, how am I going to do that? I have never told a lie, even in jest, throughout my life. And he was also known as one who has no enemies, Ajantashatru. He, he had no enemies in the world. And yet here he was having to lead uh, an entire army against another army and kill all those persons who, some of whom were worshipable, just like just, uh, just like Bhishma Dev and and Drona. And so, when Krishna told him, "You're going to have to make an announcement that Drona that Ashwatthama has been killed," um, so realizing his plight, his younger brother Bhima went out and killed a, a, one of these huge elephants that was being used in the combat whose name was Ashwatthama. And so he came back and told Yudhisthira, I have killed the elephant Ashwatthama. Now you can announce publicly that Ashwatthama has been killed. So Yudhisthira, who was so reluctant to do what Krishna had asked him to do, made a grand announcement. Ashwatthama, the elephant, has been killed. So under his breath then, he announced that Ashwatthama had been killed. And when when this was heard by Dronacharya, he, he thought to himself, this man, Yudhisthira, has never told a lie in his life. He must be telling the truth. It must be true that my son has been killed. So he put aside his weapons and he was killed. <coughs> but Ashwatthama <coughs> heard about this and he realized that this was trickery because he was not, he had not been killed. And yet it was made, Yudhisthira had made it appear as though he had been killed so that Dronacharya would drop his weapons and he could be killed. So now we, we come to this verse and in the verse, in the purport, Srila Prabhupada says that, uh, Maharaj Parikshit is miraculously saved. Now Parikshit was the son, uh, the grandson of Ashwat, of, of Arjuna. He was the son of Abhimanyu. Abhimanyu was Arjuna's son, and therefore uh, Abhimanyu, before the battle began, had conceived this child in the womb of his wife, whose name was Uttara. And <clears throat> so after, after the battle had practically ended, all, all, the, all the people had been killed. Aswatthama had not been killed. He and Duryodhan were alive, but then Duryodhan had to fight uh, with maces, had to fight someone, so he chose Bhima to fight with. They had been very, very hostile to each other all their lives. And so this was Bhima's duty. Bhima had killed all the other 99 sons of Dhritarashtra in the battle, and only one was left, and that was Duryodhana. And Duryodhana was the reason the whole battle took place anyhow, because he wanted unrivaled kingdomship. 
He wanted to be the king, of the, the emperor of the entire world. So, uh, because then, Ashwatthama knew that his father had been killed unfairly by a lie that had been told, or at least what he thought was a lie. Uh, so, he, he decided to take revenge. And so, my topic for today is really dealing with the desire for revenge against others. So, Ashwatthama then, uh, he, a, a plan came to him in one night. And he decided that the way to, to take revenge was to kill all the sleeping sons of Dropadi. Remember, Dropadi had as her five husbands, the Pandavas, five Pandavas. And so each had born, had, had given her a child and she had mourned that child. And now these young boys were sleeping and Ashwatthama went in and killed all of those five boys, uh, at one time. And then after that, uh, he, he kind of, he made his escape. And, but he knew that Uttara was bearing the son of Abhimanyu and the grandson of Arjuna. And so he decided to use the topmost weapon that he had received from his father, Dronacharya, the Brahmastra, which acted, it was as powerful as one of our modern day uh, you know, uh, uh, nuclear weapons. But it was so refined that it could pinpoint, it could kill the embryo of a woman within her body without harming the woman. So, uh, Drona, so Ashwatthama then, uh, he uh, set, set his arrow to the bow, enchanted the mantra for the Ramastra weapon, and then uh, it, 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 when Arjuna saw that the entire sky was lighted up by some weapon, he asked Krishna, what is the cause of this? And Krishna told him that Ashwatthama had, had thrown this weapon to kill the son of, to, to kill uh, Arjuna's grandson. And so he said, uh, Krishna told Arjuna, he, he has thrown the weapon, but he doesn't know how to bring it back. He doesn't know how to retract it. So you also counteract that weapon. So Arjuna, he also threw his Brahmastra weapon up into the sky and it met the other one and they, it is such a powerful reaction that it lighted up the whole universe. <laughs> but it stopped the weapon from killing. And also within the body of Uttara, Lord Vishnu uh, was there and protected the baby who was to become King Parishit, keep to protect him from being harmed by that weapon. And at that time, Parikshit actually saw the personality of Godhead, even as an embryo in the, in the body of his mother. So then, uh, Ashwatthama has attempted to destroy the Pandava's entire lineage by killing, uh, killing the sons of Draupadi and then trying to kill the son, uh, of Abhimanyu, or the grandson of, of Arjuna. So, uh, why did he do that? Even though it was it was not a, a religious act to accomplish, either one of those was not a very uh, a respectable act for the son of a brahmana, especially a well-known brahmana as Drona. Uh, it was not something that he should have done. So he attempted to destroy the, the entire line. He actually held the Pandavas to blame for the death of his father. Mainly Yudhisthira, of course. But uh, this was at the end of the battle. All the other men had been killed. 
he's, he alone practically is left on the side of the Karvas since uh, Duryodhana has been also been smashed by Bhima. <clears throat> so he decides to, you know, to try to uh, give some give something to back to his his uh, his his friend um, Duryodhan uh, to make up for the loss of his entire army, the loss of his kingdom, the loss of his own life. So then he resorted, Ashwatthama resorted to irreligious means then to avenge his loss, using that very powerful weapon to kill the baby inside the mother inside the mother Uddhava. I mean, Uttara. So, uh, after he threw the weapon and the weapon was retracted by Arjuna, Arjuna went and captured him. He tried to get away. Ashwatthama tried to get away, but he was brought back by Arjuna and he was about to kill him. Krishna even said, kill him immediately. But Draupadi, uh, being a, a woman and being very tenderhearted, recognized this or this person who had killed her five sleeping sons as as the son of her spiritual master a brahman she said so he is a brahman he's not he should not be killed so arjuna then uh, defaced him uh, by cutting the gem from his hair cutting part of his hair off and cutting the gem out which took away all of his prowess and i think uh, he also he partly shaved his beard with his sword, Arjuna did. You can imagine how sharp that sword must have been. Uh, so he could have killed him very easily, but he decided not to. So so Ashwatthama, in trying to gain revenge uh, for the death of his father and the death of all the carvers on the battlefield, he, he suffered disgrace and defeat, and Krishna uh, uh, told him, that you will stay on this planet for a very long time and you will suffer all kinds of diseases. And so Ashwatthama was driven out of the camp to wander and it is said by some that he is still on the planet even today, 5,000 years later. So that was quite quite a, a, a thing to suffer. So he, what, what was his whole purpose? His purpose was to get revenge. So he was using imperfect or incomplete knowledge to exact revenge. Just like uh, devotees even today can do if they're not careful. Um, why would why would a devotee want to gain revenge on someone else? Well, it you know, part of that comes from thinking that someone else's actions to be the cause of his own suffering. Whether it is to him directly or to a family member, uh, even if another devotee is the one who is the cause of that suffering, uh, the the person who has been wronged thinks that causing someone else to suffer will relieve his own misery. He thinks that I should I should uh, get revenge. In other words, an eye for an eye. If someone dis, uh, causes me disrepute or causes some harm to some member of my family, then it is my duty then to cause that this person who seems to be the one who brought the suffering on us, to cause him to suffer as well, or her. Uh, and so we're, we're taught early on in our Krishna conscious careers that no one is to blame for our suffering 
but ourselves. Because if Krishna permitted us to suffer for no good reason, then Krishna would be unfair. Or he would, you know, some would even say, he doesn't have the power to, to, to cause, to keep me from being unfairly hurt or my family members unfairly hurt. Here I am, I'm trying to worship him, trying to be his devotee, and he's allowing me to have to suffer like this. So I, I'm going to have to, to take up for myself and look out for my family members. Uh, I'm going to cause someone else to suffer. And that's going to relieve my misery, or at least I will have done my duty. But we, re- we realize that as devotees, we realize that when we do that to another person, any other person, but especially to a devotee, when we cause someone else to suffer like that, we're, sitting, we're simply setting ourselves up uh, for reactions to that activity that we perform. Whether it's in words or in actions, uh, sooner or later, then we're going to have to suffer. So what we what we do when we blame someone else for the suffering and we we attempt to seek revenge is that we're creating our own future suffering. So you know it it might be it might be a little bit understandable, might be reasonable that you try to take revenge against someone who has hurt your wife or your child or even yourself. Uh, but when you when you consider that it is not your place to do that. Uh, even even in the Christian Bible, uh, in the Old Testament of the Bible, uh, it, it, God is is quoted as having stated, "Vengeance is mine," saith the Lord. And so we understand as devotees ourselves that if a, if another devotee causes us some harm or causes us some pain, uh, that it is not our job to make to see that that person suffers the reactions for his actions. Krishna is very just, and he will take care of whatever actions or reactions need to come to that other person. It is not our job, then, to supply the punishment. Well, now, we know that in our civil society... It is the duty of the heads of state and their deputies, those who have been deputized by them, uh, to, uh, to bring, you know, an end to someone's life or at least to uh, imprison another person for having hurt someone else. But that's not the case in our society of devotees. So we have to understand that even though we have been hurt in some way, by another person, another devotee especially, it is not our job to see that that person has to suffer for what he's done. So we learning to think as a devotee does. We understand that all of our misfortunes are nothing more than reactions to our past deeds. And just like Ashwatthama in this this text today was thinking, I have to get revenge for my father. But we learn, we learn as devotees that Krishna does not allow suffering for no reason. If he did allow it for no good reason, then we'd have to say either he's not just or he's not powerful enough to keep us from getting hurt. But that's not the case. So we accept chastisement from other devotees as part of Krishna's arrangement to get rid of our own 
sinful activities that we performed in the past. And we understand also that if we just accept whatever suffering comes to us as coming from the Supreme Lord, then we understand that Krishna is minimizing the suffering that we have to undergo. He can do that. And so we maintain respect for devotees at all times because we understand that devotees, regardless of, of how imperfect we may see them as being, they're all, they're all the children of the Supreme Lord. And it is not our job to bring about suffering. If we have to, you know, we're in the position as a friend to advise another devotee that, hey, what you're doing is going to cause you trouble or going to cause unnecessary suffering for somebody else. We can do that as a friend. But it is not our job then to bring the punishment upon the head of a devotee that has somehow or other wronged us or some other member of our community. Uh, we, we have, you know, authorities in our temple community who are responsible for uh, uh, distributing whatever punishment needs to be done. And we have to be satisfied then with whatever, whatever arrangements are made for the correction of behavior of other devotees by our temple authorities. We have to accept that as being adequate. And this is as much as the Supreme Lord wants them to have. And if we can do that then, and, and stop thinking of ourselves as the persons who are supposed to avenge every wrong that goes on in our lives or in the lives of the people around us, then we can be peaceful in mind and we can chant the holy names of the Lord without distraction. Hare Krishna. I'll end for, with that for today. Is there any question or comment that anyone would like to bring up now? All right, I thank you all very much again for joining us today, being with us here in the the temple room or uh, being with us uh, away from here at your house or at your place of work or even on the road. Um, We thank you very much for that, and we hope that... uh, This taking part in the morning program, as many of you have chosen to do, will be beneficial to you and will help you in your spiritual lives. So we'll say, Gantara Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Shishi Radha Kalachanjidam Ki Jai, Gora Premananda, Hari Hari Bo, Vanchakalpa Tarubhyas Cha, Kripas Sanubhya Eva Cha, Patitanam Pavanebhyo, Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namah, Anantakoti Vaishnavrinda Ki Jai. Hare Krishna.